0: Welcome to the First Down Rundown podcast, where we give you a holistic view of the world of sports. Whether you're a casual fan or an avid fan, this is the place for you. And I just want to start out with an apology. All right. It's been like a month since I've posted a podcast. Obviously, as I discussed in the past few episodes, Hayden is, is in his second to last semester of college. He's dealing with a lot of work and, and school and football and, and everything that he's doing there. Uh, so he hasn't really been able to, you know, find the time to be able to join me for kind of this fall portion of, uh, of of, of the podcast season, and, and I've kind of had some some busy weeks too in the in the, in the past in the recent weeks. But um, all that being said, people are listening to this podcast, which is I, I mean, amazing. I think just kind of the fact that like I just I mean we're able to kind of look at the numbers and. It's not crazy, but it's definitely exciting to see that, like, hey, I don't post a podcast in a month, but like, there's still a lot of people listening to to what I'm posting, and it'll even be months afterwards, and people are still listening to like our NFL previews and stuff, which um, which, which really makes me feel good, and and I'm glad, and I appreciate everyone who's listening now and who has listened to other episodes as well. I believe me, if if you like the content, um, it it is going to keep coming, and and I have kind of made it uh, a point to. To kind of just continue doing this on a weekly basis. Um, and, and, you know, I think that after a while, it can kind of become a chore, I think, to, you know, to some extent. Um, especially when, you know, you kind of have other stuff going on in your life. And, but I think that, you know, for the fact that this is my passion and that I love doing it, um, you know, that, that's really no excuse to be able to not sit down for an hour and, and talk about sports, which is, which is what I love to do. And, and really, if that would kind of be my dream job is to just be like on TV talking about sports, um, be, you know, Stephen A. Smith. Two point um, So so right. So so all that being said, again, appreciate everybody for listening to the podcast, continuing to download and listen to the podcast, even when we're not uploading them. Uh, you know, very all. You know, very consistently. I guess is the is the right word to say there. Um, and 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 really, you know, the, the point is that at the end of this, we're we're going to, or at least kind of, you know, throughout the rest of the season and, and whatever. Um, the goal is to just kind of grow this as big as possible. Obviously, you're like, "Wow, Matt, that that's a great uh, that's a great goal there. C- congratulations, because that's what everybody else tries to do with any other podcast that's out there. I, I get that. Thank you for uh, thank you for that. But um, but no, so so we're we're gonna try to kind of scale this up a little bit, right? In terms of, and I talked about this in the past couple episodes as well. In terms of you know, kind of starting to get a YouTube stream together, right? Uh, you know, kind of getting a StreamYard app and, and having me and Hayden hang out there and, and, and kind of be able to look at each other face to face. And, you know, even though we're not really going to be in the same room all the time uh, and, and you know, and, and still like be able to stream on YouTube, we'll get some more listeners there. Uh, that'll give people too a chance, you know, people who are who are who do listen to the podcast and listen to every episode. I know that there's people out there who do that. And again, appreciate you. All to the end of the earth for for doing that. Um, give them a chance to kind of interact with us on on a, on a live basis. I think that would be so cool, uh, you know, because that's kind of the thing. At least what I've noticed in the podcast that I follow the most are like you know, the people who stream on YouTube and kind of have a, they end up kind of having a community, whether that be, you know, in a Discord or, you know, in a Slack somewhere, but even just, you know, right, on a YouTube stream and people in the comments just, you know, saying saying whatever, you know, whatever comes to their mind and, you know, bring bringing up topics in the comments, in the chat, you know, that can, you know, add to the discussion or, you know, maybe there's a question that we can answer. So that is probably the long-term goal for what we want to do, you know, with this thing going forward. And then obviously kind of with that, I think once we kind of established the fact that, okay, you know, we have a good, we have a good base with the podcast itself. And, you know, obviously me and Hayden have been doing this for, I think the better part of, you know, two, two whole years now. Um, and, you know, we've definitely gotten better. Like we, we've even just told each other, I mean, you know, obviously we're brothers and we, we don't like to com- compliment each other a lot. Um, but, but each of us has noticed that, you know, the other person has gotten a lot better in just being able to, you know, kind of sit down, have a discussion, you know, come up with topics obviously beforehand but not have a scripted out, you know, exactly what we're going to say, uh, but then be able to, like, take a topic, kind of formulate it in, in our mind, and then, you know, be able to kind of come up with a, an opinion and explain why we think that, you know, that opinion is, is right or wrong. Um, or and, and even if it's a debate going back and forth, just kind of providing good points and, and, and really kind of getting, you know, just good information, good content out there. And I think that we've, we've really established a good base of that. And so I think now we're kind of ready to – Start to kind of, you know, actually make this into something that resembles a, you know, a, an actual show uh, where, you know, we can have kind of a live YouTube stream where people are in and out of the comments and the chats and, and you know, and, and we're interacting with people on a live basis. Um, and then in addition to that, definitely build up the social media platform a lot, too, in terms of, you know, having a Twitter, an active, you know, Twitter. Uh, we have a Twitter, but it's, it's extremely inactive and, and and not useful at all. Um You know, we, we, we have an email, but like, I don't even remember what the name of the email is. Um, I think Hayden made a TikTok at one point and he started posting a couple of videos and, and it was actually kind of good. But again, it's, it takes a lot of work to be able to kind of splice everything up and whatever. So again, it's, 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 it's a work in progress in terms of kind of what we're going through now, but there is kind of an end goal as to how we kind of want to build this out and scale it up. But obviously, we're, like anything, you know, that takes time. And while yes, it's a passion of both of us to kind of, you know, always kind of have this and, and, and that we can. You know, it's sharing something that we both love, which is just talking about sports. Um, you, you need to be able to set the time aside to, you know, to act, not only just to do the podcast, but to do the research, the preparation that goes into kind of, you know, what topics are we going to discuss today? What are we going to go over? You know, what, what are the What's the information that's going to be flowing? What's the, you know, how are we going to kind of go back and forth on this? Um, and even besides all of that, it's like, okay, we well, actually have to, you know, like Hayden has to go back and edit all of the podcast, like enter the intro music and, you know, and, and the sound effects and stuff like that um you know cut out any any dead space or whatever uh, after the fact and so um and then obviously on top of that right like i said you know maintaining a youtube channel and a youtube stream and maintaining you know social media accounts for for the podcast so all of that being said it's probably going to still be kind of this version of the podcast where we're just gonna you know i'm just gonna be talking to you pretty much for the rest of the fall here um and maybe even to the into the winter around winter break hayden will probably maybe about in a month yeah probably a month from now um hayden will join back in once his semester's finished and then i think his He's graduating next semester of college, and so um so so the spring semester should be pretty easy for him, and I I feel that he should at least be able to join on a weekly basis to uh to kind of you know just to, to kind of do the podcast as regular. Um but I think that as we go through kind of the the winter months, that will be kind of our 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 main time to be able to kind of build up, you know, or at least build out you know the YouTube channel, what it's gonna look like, what we're gonna want to get out of a you know, doing a live stream on YouTube, uh, as well as kind of you know buffering the social media and 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 all of that. That goes with it. Um, but we kind of have a plan, right? And that's, like, I think, kind of what I wanted to come across here and saying now that I've been talking about this for 10 minutes and you didn't come to the podcast to listen to me, you know, spout about our uh, our dreams and aspirations for the podcast. You're thinking about, you know, we you what's gonna happen to the NFL this week, right? But but I just kind of wanted to explain because I think that, right, it's there are more people listening to this podcast than there were when we first started it. Obviously, that is supposed to happen as long as you know you continue to do the podcast. Uh, but it is cool to kind of see that, you know, this kind of dream is 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 Kind of, you know, coming to life uh, to a certain extent, and and I think that it's important to at least let the people know who are invested uh, in, in you know, giving us an hour of your time every week, uh, and sometimes double that um, to to know and and be prepared for what is going to come in the future. Because I'm excited about it, and I know that if you know you're an avid listener of the podcast, then you should be excited about it too. So. I appreciate you sitting in there for and and, and holding tight with me for for those uh, for that time, but um, but it is time to talk about sports, which is what which is what everybody came here to do, and what I haven't been doing for the past month or so. Um, and so again, I appreciate everyone for for uh, you know kind of bearing with us through through the time. I, I'm looking at the last time I posted a podcast was September 27th, and it's November 4th as I'm as I'm recording this right now. It's obviously the weekend too, and so it's a little, it's a Saturday right now. Um, and so, you know, so it's it's been definitely been over a month and and obviously, you know, kind of a good time to get back into into the podcast. And so with that being kind of the intro into into what we're talking about today, and you see the title, we're doing a state of the league, right? For pretty much every major sport, which has and it's it's actually kind of fitting too because this past Monday was what they call the sports equinox, which is a like a weather term usually for like the, I think the equinox is the longest day, and the solstice. Oh no, the equinox is the shortest day, and the solstice is the longest day. I don't remember. Um, it's what it's some weather and and time related day in the year. Um, you know, but but in terms of the sports calendar, the the sports equinox is the day on which all four major sporting leagues have are playing a game on the same day, and it only occurs. I think once a year, um, or maybe there's a couple times a year, but but not that much. Again, it depends. Basically, depends on how long the MLB playoffs go. Um, you know, into into October. So I I, I think too, um, and, and and that's. Again, kind of like the intro into why I wanted to, you know, at least kind of get this out now, especially I was like, I know I want to do a podcast this week, but I didn't really know what to talk about. I'm like, hey, well, there's a lot to talk about because all four major sporting leagues have played or or did play a game on, you know, this past Monday. And so that means that, you know, there's a lot happening. Right. And, And in addition to that. College football is in the middle of a span of, I think, 50, 49 or 50 days straight where there's, you know, well, I guess in general, there's a game, there's a football game in like, we're in the middle of that, you know, that streak where there's like 40, 49 or 50 days where there's a football game every, every day. Um, and the kind of running theory is that every day that there's not an NFL game, there's a college football game on, uh, pretty much from now until the end of the season, which is, which is really cool. Uh, and then obviously, right. You had the MLB, uh, World Series finished up. The Rangers beat the, the, the Diamondbacks there. You had the NBA and the NHL start up. Uh, those seasons are, are already a weekend. It's NHL I think is two weeks in. Uh, uh, NBA just finished, or actually I think NBA is closing on their second week as well. So. Uh, there's all of that going on, and then in addition to that, college basketball starts this coming Monday, November sixth. Um, so it, it is truly kind of the best time in the sports calendar, where you're in the middle of the college football and the NFL football seasons, and then you have kind of basketball and hockey both starting up, um, and, and then obviously you have the kind of the collegiate sports going on uh, alongside, which is you know, which is just again kind of the best time of the year. We're also kind of getting into the holiday season, so it's it's a lot. There's a lot of a lot of nostalgia, a lot of feelings, uh, a lot of positive vibes coming out from not only the. Sports Sporting calendar, but also kind of just the, the regular life calendar too. Um, so obviously we're we're gonna start out with and again like I said I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to kind of get to every league I think except hockey I just I didn't have enough time to kind of sit down and do a ton of research for for hockey yet the only thing I can tell you is that the Oilers were have have been, for the past few years have been one of the favorites to win the Stanley Cup at the end of the year um, you know in the in the preseason and they made the playoffs each of the last two years and they lost to the eventual Stanley Cup champion each of the last two years and they're off to I think a, a two and six start right now so in the regular season so uh, it's not looking too great great for for a team that kind of you know that city and, and that fan base deserves some success from that organization which just kind of seems to con- continually uh, not bring them success. Um so pretty much everything else though we're gonna talk about the NFL college football NBA college basketball and then do a little bit on the MLB uh now that 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 kind of that season is over um and and yeah probably not you know we probably won't have a a rundown section at the end I'm probably this is kind of the rundown is gonna be kind of the whole episode because there's been so much that's happened since the last time I did a podcast um so we're gonna kind of spend you know equal parts on every sport and just kind of go through it uh as as we see fit so obviously we're gonna start with the NFL because why wouldn't you that's the most popular sport it's the sport That I like talking about um, the most. And as you see in the title, you know, it it really across the league, scoring is down. And and there's a few reasons for this. Um, There's two in particular that I'm kind of gonna go over, but just to kind of just to kind of put this in perspective. I was, I was watching uh, the Red Zone uh, channel last Sunday, and Scott Hansen, he's, he's you know, and that's kind of the point of Red Zone is we're going to show you every single touchdown from every single game, right? And at a point, at one point, he, he mentioned that there's been such a disparity in the amount of touchdowns From last year to this year, I think there's I think there's something like last year there were I think to this point like 550 touchdowns or something, and then so far this season there's like 480 or something. Like it's like significantly less, like almost a quarter of the amount, or yeah, a quarter of the amount less of touchdowns um, that have been scored this year in comparison to last year. And even last year wasn't like a super high scoring season by any means. It's just extremely low scoring this season. The average total, uh, score of all the games so far this season, I think is like 43.2 or something. Like it's like even less than 44, which is a pretty key number in the NFL, especially when you, you know, consider bettering, betting of over-unders and totals and stuff like that. Um, 44 is is kind of the, is kind of the, you know, has, has traditionally been the key number. And it's like almost a point less in terms of the, you know, the overall, um, scoring average and we had a game that was 70 to 20 all right so like that scoring total is so low and the Dolphins beat the Broncos uh, 70 to 20 in a game that had 90 combined points which is double uh, more than double of what the current average is and so just thinking about that alone it's like th- th- this 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 is a this is a phenomenon that's happening and it's not necessarily being talked about And it's not necessarily a bad thing but it, because the reason for that is because the NFL is always going to be king in terms of, you know, just the, the ratings, the entertainment value, everything that we always look for in kind of, you know, the, the biggest sporting events and, and sporting leagues uh, in the world. And But to some extent, it, it is, at least from, you know, what I've seen, because, again, I'm, I'm pretty deep in this stuff, right? I do fantasy. I do betting. I'm, I'm, I'm researching the teams. I'm l- listening to other podcasts and I'm reading articles, you know, all week long in preparation for the games. And it just seems like there's – at least for what I've noticed, like, you know, the, the, the play across the board is just a little bit sloppy. Like, it's it just doesn't look – I don't know, I I almost expect, and obviously you're in the NFL, it's the best players in the world at the at every single position, and so you're not going to have, you know, 75-yard touchdowns every single play like you do in college in a lot of these smaller college games. You know, you're watching the Central Michigan and, and, and Akron game that's, you know, 45 to 38, and it's like, wow, that's a great game. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, it's because there's no defensive players who can even, you know, stop a receiver in that game, whereas the NFL is obviously the complete, the complete opposite. But it's almost like, you know, to some extent, a lot of these games are just punt fests or, or you know, a team will, will, will go down the field and take, you know, an eight and a half minute drive, you know, 15 plays, uh, get you know, get into the red zone, have a first and goal just to be stopped at the goal line, go for it on fourth and goal from the three yard line uh, and don't convert. And then turns over to the other team and they go on a, you know, 15 play drive. And it's just like almost almost backwards from what we're used to in terms of like, you know, we thought that the NFL and, and this was again just very big picture. A few years ago, right, the COVID season—that is, that is statistically the highest scoring season in the history of the NFL. And the biggest reason for that is that a, I mean, you know, the biggest reason is that a lot of the players had COVID. Okay, so in a lot of cases, you were getting you know third and fourth string practice squad players who were who were starting games for these teams. Uh, nobody was able to have any cohesion, and, and so when that happens, especially on the defensive end. Even if you have practice practice squad receivers are going to be better than, you know, your fourth string defensive backs just because, you know, they're not able to keep up with and and know the, know the offenses as well and just be able to key in on signals and whatever. So that 2020 season, the NFL season was the highest scoring on, you know, on record by far. And every season since then, we've seen less and less and less. And. I think and the other part of that too about COVID season with there there were no fans in the stands and so there was really no home field advantage, right? And so there were a lot of times when, you know, teams that were that were, you know, really good offensive you know, highly high caliber offenses who normally would be, you know, scoring a ton of points at home, you know, when they go on the road and they're facing a tough environment, it's tougher to get your signals in. It's tougher to get, you know, communication going across the entire offense. And so you're, you're kind of, you know, you're, you're, you're scoring dwindles a little bit. Um, we didn't see that happen in the, in the COVID season at all. It was like all the road teams were scoring just as much, and if not more, than the home teams. Whereas now, you know, we kind of have everybody back in the stands and there is a home field advantage again. So I, I think that, you know, those are probably the two biggest reasons in terms of how, you know, that COVID season was special but the other thing is, and, and this is, the, again, just kind of big picture about how the NFL has transgressed, we've seen so much the college game, or at least, you know, in, in the last, you know, 20, 30 years or so, um, the NFL really seems to, to kind of eventually copy what the college game or emulate what the college game presents. And, and whether that be, you know, kind of the addition of the spread offense, which college kind of made famous and Chip Kelly and the, and and those Oregon teams back in the day, um, where, you know, you're running plays as fast as you possibly can. You're spreading out the field. The wide receivers are on the absolute, you know, edge of the sidelines. You're, utilizing the, the you know the geometry of the field and the and the in and the in the more spread out hash marks to be able to you know kind of get your get your players in open space and and you know and fool the defense uh, that way that then kind of made its way into the NFL where it's like okay well yeah I mean obviously if you the goal of, of, of the NFL is to score points and the most efficient way to score points is to is to have a great offense and the you know if the best offense is to spread out the defense hey that's you know that's what we should do spread out the defense and, and, and go deep and that was kind of the peak of that was also in 2020 and ever since then we've seen the addition of the two high shell um, which is essentially or cover 2 shell which is essentially a, a defensive formation that 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 where the defensive backs are essentially pushed back about 5 or at least the, the cornerbacks are pushed out about pushed back about 5 to 10 yards and then they run two safeties over the top that are extremely far back. And the idea of this defense, which is, again, a smart way to combat, you know, kind of this spread offense, you know, throw it deep down the field, um, you know, trend that we were seeing, the, you know, the, 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 the goal of that is to, is to say, hey, you're not going to beat us deep, right? You, you can get anything you want underneath, you know, if you're if you playing a good run game, sure, you know, we'll let that, we'll let you beat us there, but you're not going to beat us deep. And I think that that's, that, that, that style of defense has really kind of taken over the league in terms of, like, that's what a lot of the teams run nowadays. Like, you don't see – and, again, I mean, it's, it's tough to look back, you know, three years, oh, exactly what was happening in every single game of the COVID season. But I just feel like there were so many, you know, deep throws going for, you know, like tons of yards and, and huge long touchdowns um, back then that, that you really don't see anymore. I mean, if we had, you know, a few, you know, 50-yard touchdowns or even, you know, a little bit shorter than that, um, you know, per week—that that's a surprise, right? Whereas that was like a normal thing, you know, a couple of years ago, when you know, before the defenses have kind of adopted this cover two shell look. So that's another thing I think that has really contributed to the NFL scoring being down. Uh, is it, just is just the adoption of a defensive style that really doesn't allow for explosive plays. And on the other side of that coin, the NFL offenses haven't necessarily developed anything to kind of. And I think we do kind of see a little bit of a trend going, and obviously the Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel's of the world, where you know we're gonna and, and Sean McVay obviously is kind of the kind of started this with you know with Todd Gurley back in the day, and you know uh, is is kind of starting with the run game, you know, developing a you know a, a, a solid ground game, and, and just and everything that 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 you know Shanahan and and, and McDaniel's do when it comes to uh, you know sending motion in the offense, and you know getting your blockers downfield. Uh, you know, kind of being able to feel a de- fool the defense, establish the run, and then kind of create your pass game off of that. And I think that's kind of the 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 you know the kind of the shift that offenses have taken a little bit uh, to kind of combat that you know that that pushed back defensive line from you know from just defenses all across the league to where now. And obviously, right, if you're if you're <laughs> if you're going from you know beating every single defense by throwing long passes to now, well, the only really thing that we can do is get creative with the run game okay, that's A, you're definitely, you're not going to have any explosive or as many explosive plays as before in general, but you're also going to run the clock a lot more. And I think that's probably something that we see more now. This is something I, I didn't do a ton of research on it, you know, specifically, but I would say that probably the average length of time of drives, you know, offensive drives this season is probably way up in comparison to a couple, you know, the past couple of years, simply because a lot of the teams are running it a lot more, and the pass game is kind of just short underneath throws that are kind of going to get you a couple yards. You get your first down, second down, and, and and third down plays, and then you're looking at a fourth and one, and the analytics say to go for it. You go for it on fourth and one, you get, you know, you do your QB sneak, you get one yard, and you got another first down, and you've taken up three minutes in the process of doing so. So um that, that I think, too, is, is something that is a little bit... Uh, different in terms of kind of what the, the shift or the, uh, in in the paradigm of what we're seeing uh, from schemes, whether that be, you know, from, you know, the kind of the defensive two, cover to shell to now offense is kind of running out the clock a lot more, you know, just running a lot more run plays in general and not necessarily seeing that a lot of that spread offense that, that you know, that kind of took over the league, took the league by storm uh, in that around that COVID season. And This is kind of – now I'm going to kind of transition the conversation and kind of – this point that I'm going to make is kind of going to be, I think, contributing on both ends. Um, And because I mentioned earlier that we see a lot of these teams drive into the red zone or at least into the opponent's territory – face a, sh- a fourth and short, go for it and miss it. And then it's just, that's a wasted drive in the red zone and the other team gets the ball. And then that team drives down and, you know, kind of the, we, we get kind of this, 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 uh, similar, similar game state where a team's able to drive, you know, pretty far down the field and then choose either, you know, not to go for it and all, all, um, or, 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 you know, or go for, go for it and miss it. And I think that You know, analytics plays a part in that, and we we saw a lot, we saw this past week, if you were on Twitter at all, you definitely saw the Pat McAfee, uh, Pat McAfee on his his show, he had on Nick Saban, and they were talking about analytics and kind of how it's changed the game and whatever, and they were kind of saying, like, they made the point, at least Pat McAfee made the point, like, all right, if you have fourth and short, you know, and you're on like the, you know, you're on the opponent's like 10-yard line, the you know the analytics are saying you need to go for this, and we even see in like in the broadcast on Monday night, you know, Troy Aikman and, and, and Joe Buck, it's like every time there's a fourth and short, they're like, "Oh, the analytics say to go for it." That was my that was my Troy Aikman impressioning. I thought it was actually pretty good. I don't, might might just might just do a whole podcast in the Troy Aikman voice, but. But right, so they're telling you, you know, the analytics tell you to go for it. Well, okay, but well, they don't explain anything. It's like, okay, well, what's the math that backs this up? Now, obviously, I'm a stats guy. I like to, I like to dive a little bit deep in the, into the math. But, um, but, but that's kind of what at least Pat McAfee was was saying in his in his argument is like just take the points right and we we've kind of we've we've shifted so far from this you know from this analytically driven you know you you the the you know the expected value of getting 7 points over 3 points by just you know accruing 1 yard on a on a on a QB sneak play uh will be more worth it in the long term in order to kind of you know increase your overall win percentage i get that all right that i just explained that completely i understand that um and I think that in a lot of cases, that still is the right choice. I am an analytics guy, you know, by nature. That's kind of what I do for my job, too. So, like, I, I that is still kind of where I side on things. Um, but Pat McAfee was arguing, basically, like, why do that when you can kick a field goal? And, and obviously, that's kind of the, that's the layman terms thing where it's like, oh, you know, well, we, you know, everybody kind of, you know, crucifies all the broadcasters for being like, no, I think you should just take the points here, Jim. And, and to a certain extent, yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from with that, but... But realistically, right, you know, scoring a touchdown is is so much more valuable, especially when, as we've seen, these games are so much lower scoring, every single point – because the games are lower scoring, every single point is more valuable. And so if you can more than double the points that you get on one drive by scoring a touchdown versus a field goal – then in the end, the end by the end of the game, given that the scoring is low, you know, th- those points will be more worth it. And so, you know, I think that again, it's just kind of it all it, it based on it, like you can think whatever you want. I, I don't really care. I understand both sides of the argument, but we're seeing this almost on a on a on a on a play-by-play or drive-by-drive basis where it's you know the decision to go for it on fourth down can really cost some teams. And and I started to look at that, and I'm thinking, you know, I, I I don't know, like what you know what I think, what else can I what else can I think of to kind of explain, you know, kind of what's happening here? And I think I found it. Well, <laughs> I I found it, but so did everybody else. And that's the fact that there's no quarterbacks left. <laughs> at least you know starting starting this week in the NFL. I mean, it's going to be you know Jaron Hall versus Taylor Heineke for you know for the Falcons and and Vikings game. It's you know. It's 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 gonna be Matt's or um Brett Ripon and Jordan Love in the in the you know the Rams and, and Packers game. Uh and, and obviously, you know, we saw Aaron Rodgers go down to begin the season. Uh, you know, and so there's there's so many instances of you know where there a lot of quarterbacks have just gotten, you know, have gotten banged up, have gotten hurt, and 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 I think that and, and that I think is on the surface, that's like, oh, everybody kind of realizes that. And it's like, oh well, yeah, there's no quarterbacks left. So there's no there's obviously, you know, the level of play that requires, or I guess, the, the, yeah, I guess I said that right. The, the level of play that, are, that is required to be a, a, you know, a consistently good quarterback in the NFL is actually very rare. And, and I think we see that with a lot of the backups that come in and, and really struggle is because they're just, just, they're just not as good. Now, obviously you need experience and that helps. And over time you're going to be, you know, you're going to be able to do I think Kirk Cousins is a great example of that. where like, he's never been, a great NFL quarterback, but he's just played long enough to where now he is an extremely key piece to that Vikings team. In fact, realistically, everybody was saying, Oh, they're going to make the playoffs now after this, you know, this kind of three game win streak that they're on. Then he goes down and they're like, Oh, they have no chance now. Right. It's like, obviously, yeah, he's a starting quarterback in the league, but someone who I, I didn't think, you know, three, four years ago, I didn't think that I'd be saying that about Kirk Cousins, right? So, you know, that's, I think, a good example of, like, okay, you're not always going to, uh, you know, be able to find another quarterback to step in and just take over the reins and, and be amazing. So I think that's probably, uh, you know, something to, to uh, I think, kind of put towards this discussion. But the point that I'm going to take further, and this is kind of the big overall point that I wanted to make here, is the fact that, Again, and and just in general in football, right? The, the offensive line and defensive line are probably the most key positions. When you when you, when like everything is boiled down to, you know, you are moving other men on a grass field in order to score a touchdown. Like you know, and, and football at football, its very core is is I think you know that's probably that that's probably what it is. And and I think that overall, at least what I've noticed is that offensive linemen look very bad or are starting to look very bad in comparison to defensive line, to the defensive linemen and their skills and their attributes and whatever. And I think it's, again, it's it's sort of like the receiver trend that we've had over the past couple of years where it's like a lot of the, a lot of the teams now, like, you know, and, and we see, you know, young quarterbacks come in and have success or quarterbacks who weren't necessarily successful in their, you know, their past ventures, but, you know, kind of get a good receiver with them and they're great. I think Kirk Cousins is also an example of that. He was, he was not, I mean, he was okay. He wasn't great in Washington. Now he goes to, to Minnesota. He gets Justin Jefferson and he looks, they have the best offense in the league, right? And and so there's been such a push to, you know, to where now our receivers are a lot more valuable than running backs. You said that, you know, you say that five years ago, people are laughing, you, doubt, you know, laughing uh, at you when you say it. And so. I think the same is the same is true for defensive lineman linemen versus offensive linemen. I think that, you know, being able to rush the passer is such a key uh you know feature of just playing football in general, but also like of good teams where, you know, if, if you can if you can get pressure rushing four with just your four down defensive linemen, you can cover the back end and quarterbacks aren't really able to do anything. And so that's kind of where we're at in this stage of like, okay, well, if you need defensive linemen, if that's the more important thing to be able to rush the passer passer. The, the offensive linemen who are really good athletes are going to be transitioned to defensive line because they're more valuable at that position, right? And so we see that happen, I think, time and time again. And I'm not saying that I'm seeing it happen in terms of like, oh, this high school player is being moved to defensive end. And, you know, that, that could be, you know, impacting a, no, I think in general, it's not, it's not that deep, but I do think that the overall talent of defensive linemen has far succeeded you know, to, to some extent, but I think, you know, just in watching it, has far succeeded the talent of the offensive linemen, and, and I think we're even seeing, and again, this is kind of, you know, we're seeing already happening in college football, and as I said before, college football, usually what, you know, kind of the trends that happen in college football you kind of tend to, you know, to, to, to transfer themselves over to the NFL. In college football this past year, obviously the transfer portal is, a you know, a big deal now and whatever, uh, the best offensive lineman transfer was a guy, I don't even know his name, but he played at Maine the University of Maine, which isn't even in, like, it's it's still in Division I, you know, college football, but it's in the FCS division, which is, like, the the division lower than the FBS, which is where, you know, all of your kind of your top teams are playing. So, this guy ends up, he transferred to Oregon, uh, but he was the best offensive lineman in the transfer portal and he went to Maine. So, it's like, okay, and, and it, yeah, a couple guys got drafted, you know, okay, cool. But, but you think, there has to be someone better, like. In college football, which you know, of which there's like you know three hundred teams when you consider all of you know FBS and FCS together. And the best guy comes from Maine, and yeah, he's good, but he's not—you know—he's not a world beater. He's like—he's not going to be drafted in the NFL or whatever. So there, there's there's been such a, a a transfer, I think, of the the best athletes on the field are now, or at least you know, guys who can play on the line. They're going to be going to defensive line because that's how you get pressure. That's how you're able to your you know your defense is able to perform better when you're when you can have seven guys in the defensive backfield all covering routes downfield and get pressure with four, not only in the run game, but also the pass game. And, and so I think that's actually been a, a pretty big, a pretty big storyline that I don't think has been covered too much this so far this season. And and, and, and I think another reason why the NFL just looks like it, the scoring is way down um, because you know, the, the the defensive linemen are just overpowering these offensive linemen. And then also, and that's kind of what I said like a few minutes ago, which I didn't even actually connect the story, but that was that was how I was going to kind of connect everything, right? It's like, okay, well, yeah, scoring's down. A lot of these quarterbacks are out. Well, why are the quarterbacks out? Well, a lot of them are out because the offensive line can't protect them and the defensive lines are absolutely beating up the offensive lines. And so I think that's a big theme this season, which has not only contributed to the scoring being down overall, but I think will kind of continue to be a bigger story that develops later down the road, when we kind of notice that, you know, that that's, that's going to be a trend. And, you know, to a certain extent... And pretty soon, like the you know, there will still be draft. There will still be offensive linemen drafted in, in you know in the NFL draft out of college. Uh, I think at a normal rate, but the quality of those offensive linemen are not going to be near anything near what they were even five years ago because those athletes have been transferred to the defensive line. And We've seen you know just I mean a guy like Max Crosby for example. Obviously, he's leading the league in sacks. He's an amazing player. But I'm I'm just, I'm just like I think he's a good example because. He's on a Rainers team who has not been good this season, and obviously we're gonna we're gonna talk about them in a little bit. Um, they're not good overall at all, right? Um, but but and they fired everybody, fired the coach, fired the gym. You know, okay. So they're not going to be good going forward either. But like he is he is single handedly keeping him in a lot of these games. And he's a defensive lineman, obviously, you know, with his stature and kind of, you know, he, he's a very, he's a very slender uh, defensive lineman, if I do say so myself. So I don't know necessarily if he pl- ever played offensive line, but an athlete like Max Crosby on the offensive line would probably be good enough, or if not better than a lot of the talent that we have now on the offensive line, uh, you know, in general. But his talents are a lot more valuable on the defensive line, because as I said, with him being able to get pressure every single down and stopping the run game, we saw the game. I then the game I'm kind of referencing is the Lions game that Monday Night Football game, the Raiders and the Lions, where the Lions, I, I, the, or I think Jimmy G had like was like four of twelve passing or something. Like if, if if you tell me that before the game, I think the Lions blow them out by forty points. Well, no, they won the game twenty six to twelve versus twenty six to fourteen. So the, the fact that the Raiders were in that game, I think, is solely because of Max Crosby, and it's like. If he's in the offensive line, that's not really doing anything for a team. And if he's not on the Raiders' defensive line, the Raiders are getting blown up every single play, every single game. So I understand, I completely agree that these talented defensive linemen should be on the defensive line because that's what can hold you in a game, keep you in a game. Whereas the offensive line, it just doesn't look. It just there's not a very promising future. So I would look to that going forward in terms of kind of you know what we're experiencing uh, here, you know, it kind of in the coming months, but as well maybe in the coming in the coming years um, too. So so yeah. So that's I think my kind of assessment of what is what's up with the. With the NFL scoring these days, and kind of why it's why it's lower, and 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 maybe maybe I'm kind of in the minority here, even noticing this. And you're probably like, dude, Matt, you haven't posted a podcast in a month, and you t- you come here talking about the total score in the NFL. Uh, you know, yeah, obviously, right? I could have jumped in here and talked about the Raiders for 30 minutes, and, and great, but I I don't know, I, I, and this is something that me and Hayden like to do too a lot, which is just kind of okay. What's the big picture here? What do we what are we trying to get after? And I think too, especially after not having a, having posted a podcast for so long, I wanted to make it such that as you see in the title, it's a state of the league, right? You know, where are we at? We're halfway through the season. What do we have? You know, what are we working with? Um, and, and I think that, you know, the quarterback injuries, especially coming into this week of which, you know, you might be, you're probably listening to this after all of the games on Sunday. Uh, but but I think that there's definitely still a good bit of work to come in terms of this being an overall theme of the NFL season so far. And it'll be interesting kind of to see uh, where it goes from here. All right, let's move on to college football. The first College football playoff rankings came out this past Tuesday, and um, oh boy, it's 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 just it's a television product. And again, I'm I'm very deep into the sport, and so for a lot of you listening to this and who watch the college football release show, uh, kind of gave you a state of the game in terms of where we're at with college football, who's good, who's not, you know, where people are ranked, uh, and 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 I don't know. For me, I'm just I'm so deep into it that like it just it just is clearly such a. A TV product and it just, they do it for ratings and it doesn't really mean anything because it's going to change. It's all going to change by the end of the season anyway. That, like, I think the biggest takeaway obviously is that Ohio State is number one and Georgia's number two, right? Whereas Georgia has been ranked number one in the AP poll the entire year so far. Georgia's won the last two national championships. They have the longest win streak right now, currently, uh, in college football. And they're not the number they're not the number one team in college football, like in terms of the rankings that that ESPN released. And you're like, what? <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense. And I agree, it doesn't make any sense. Georgia's still the best team. They're still going to be the best team. But the college football playoff committee, the the hooligans that they are, uh, sit there and say, well, your, your 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 current play or your you know your 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 resume. They call it the resume. That's what it is. Um, your resume so far is the most important thing in terms of how they rank the teams and that I understand that like I get it you know in terms of okay we want to be a little bit different we don't want to do this on a power ratings perspective because that's kind of the the difference and again um, especially too when you're you know kind of when you're when 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 you're uh, you know betting as much as me (laughs) Um, you can either rate teams based on a power rating in terms of like how you know how much better this team is than an average team on a neutral field versus what is the body of work that this that this team has presented so far this season, and then you kind of rank them from there. So, obviously, Ohio State has the you know the two best wins. Well, they they, they their two wins are better combined than any other team in college football, and those two wins are at Notre Dame, uh, a game that they won in the last seconds of the game, and then obviously at home against Penn State, who's another uh, top ten team. So. um, those two wins are better than anything that Georgia has. I mean, Georgia's best win is 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 probably might even be, be Florida. Their last game uh, last week, they played Missouri today. Uh, before, that's actually obviously before I'm recording this podcast. They're 17 point favorites, and I assume that they're gonna they're gonna probably crush them and, and win that game. And Missouri's ranked now, so it's technically gonna be Georgia's best win after this. But still, not you know that's not a that's not anything close to a Penn State top 10 win. Obviously, in my mind. <laughs> If Georgia played Penn State, Georgia would beat Penn State a lot more or a lot harder, a lot better, Everything any adjective you want to use, uh, than Ohio State did. And Ohio State won that game by eight points. I would assume Georgia would win that game by at least two touchdowns. And so that's kind of my theory on like, okay, you, if you're power rating these teams, Georgia is the best power rated team in the country. However, right, they haven't beaten teams this season, that are the quality of a Penn State, of a Notre Dame. And so therefore, you know, that, that's why Ohio State is number one in the rankings. And and again, you could kind of predict that going into it, just because that's what the college football playoff committee always tends to do. But is it a true rating of these teams? No. And, and, and that's why I think that that's why my conclusion is, it's a TV product. They do it for the ratings. They do it for the views. They do it for the stir of everybody talking about, oh, Ohio State's number one now. They must have been. you know, They're, they're amazing. They're the best team in the country. Not, not, not so much, right? I mean, they still have to. They have a game at Michigan uh, where they have to go to Michigan and play a game where they're probably going to be, you know, five to six point underdogs. Uh, Michigan's probably going to win that game. And so Ohio State, there's actually a good chance Ohio State, after being number one in the first college football playoff ranking release, good chance Ohio State doesn't even make the playoff at all. Okay, um, and we're gonna to get to that a little bit later as, as to why, but but I think that you know that's kind of just my overall sentiment on the college football rankings in general uh, is that we, we there's 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 just not much uh, you know there's just not much sentiment in it, and I think that's my sentiment is that there's not much sentiment in it, and I just said sentiment like five times in the last thirty seconds. So so overall though, we, we also had you know so obviously right so Ohio State's uh, number one, Georgia number two, Michigan's number three, and Florida State. Is number four. Washington's number five, and those are kind of the five undefeated best teams right now. Uh, they obviously, you know, they, 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 there's four teams that make the playoffs, so they make the big four, uh, you know, a big deal. But again, if any of those teams loses, they're automatically out, and one of the other undefeated teams is, is hopping back in. Now, in in terms of kind of where we're going, I'm not going to get too far into what I think is going to happen because I can pretty much tell you right now you know, what is going to happen, but but I simply simply don't have the time for that. Uh, but obviously, what's been in the news recently has been this Michigan cheating scandal. I'm going to explain. I'm not going to explain it too much because if if you don't if you don't really know um, or at least you, you've heard of it by now, um, so I'm not going to go into the into the back you know, the, the huge backstory here. There are a lot of times when I do a backstory and it's really good, but you know, if, if you're, if you're following anything close, if you're listening to this podcast, you know about the missing and cheating scale. I think is that's probably the best way. That's the best way to put it. Um, so essentially, right. They had this guy who's like a former Marine. They hired him. He's been buying tickets to other teams games and, you know, essentially stealing their signs so that when Michigan plays them, they are able to know that, okay, if this team gives this sign, this is what play they're running, this is what we need to look for, and we can beat them uh, by, you know, by knowing what plays they're going to run, essentially. Which is, hey, if if you're going to cheat or 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 just in general if you're thinking about how to win a football game if you know exactly what the other team is doing every single time they snap the ball or you snap the ball and they're on defense uh that's a pretty good that's a pretty good way to to uh, or a pretty good advantage to have in terms of like that's a pretty good way that you're you're going to have a pretty good chance to win uh you know if that's the case and so obviously in terms of the you know the legality of this and this is why it's becoming an NCAA issue you are allowed to Watch film of the other team in your game or during your game. Watch the other team on the sidelines to be able to decipher their signals and try to steal their signals. And that has happened all the time. There were there are plenty of other times. I was listening to a podcast uh, last week, and Jeff Swartz, who, who, he was an offensive lineman. He played for Oregon. He also played in the NFL. I think he played for the Chiefs. Um, and he said that when he was at Oregon one time, they played Cal... And he said that, like, every time they lined up, every time they did a motion, every time a quarterback, like, called out, a, you know, a word or they did a hand signal, the Cal defense knew exactly what they were running. And, like, they were calling it out. Like, th- like they're going to run the ball through these two offensive linemen. we got to cover that now. And he's, like, sitting there on the offensive line, like, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's exactly what we're running. How the heck? But it's because whoever was scouting, you know, trying to do the Stein stealing thing for Cal... They had scouted the games previously that Oregon had played and was had access to their film and was able to do that. And so, essentially, the only reason that this is a big deal, the only reason that, that that the NCAA is getting involved and this is kind of being branded as a cheating scandal, is because Connor Stallions, who was the guy who was behind this whole thing for Michigan, bought tickets to other teams' games, attended those games, and utilized that to be able to steal the signs for these other teams. Now you're thinking, what, are you serious? Like that's, how is that? How is that any different? And the reason is this actually came up, I think in like the 1980s or something um, they wanted to, and again, the NCAA made this rule and the NCAA are a bunch of crooks. And the NCAA is not going to exist in like five years. So, you know, we're, we're dealing with it while we can, but, um, but anyway, the NCAA made a rule, which, and, and this does make a little bit of sense where essentially you can't have, you cannot, you cannot pay, you cannot pay members of your staff to attend other teams games or, or, or at least pay them and then they pay for themselves to get into these games to be able to watch other teams play because that will incentivize the better teams who have a lot more money behind their program and who just have overall better talent have the ability to hire a lot more people to be able to go to games and scout players and all this stuff. Whereas, you know, so Michigan, who is, you know, one of the richest and and, and best teams in the history of college football, can afford to do this, whereas, you know, Coastal Carolina – they don't have the funding. They don't have the staff. They don't have the ability to send their scouts everywhere to all these their opponents' games, and you know, and 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 get into these games and be able to steal their signs. And so it, it levels the playing field in terms of you know, you know, because the teams and the schools don't all have equal funding, it you know. We, we can't allow people to be or we can't allow certain teams to be sending their scouts places because they simply have more money to be able to do so. And to a certain extent I I agree with that, especially for a guy who kind of stands up for the, for the little teams and you know I'm always rooting for the underdog. I actually get that and I and I actually like that, you know, that kind of um you know that that rule uh to a certain extent. But like teams still do it, man. And and, and this is I think the most interesting part about this whole scandal and just in in reading it, you know, reading about it and listening to podcasts and stuff, is that this has been going on for years and years. And the one thing about it is that every team is still doing it. Like that is the general scope of, of of just what's going on. And the same goes for NIL, right? Oh, okay, it's legal to pay the you know the college athletes now. They can they can sign name, image, and likeness deals and sponsorship deals and all this stuff. And they couldn't do that before. Guess what? They were still. Getting money before. It just wasn't under the guise of, oh, well, there's this local AC business that wants to sponsor this player. No. Before, it was, you know, Les Miles, the LSU head coach, was handing a bag of cash. Well, it wasn't him specifically. It was one of, member of his staff, similar to Connor Stallions doing the same thing for Michigan. A member of LSU staff is handing a bag, a, you know, a Chick fil A bag filled with 100 grand uh, to a kid to come play football for LSU. That's how it was happening. Go research it. It, it did. That's exactly what, what has been happening that was happening before NIS. Now it's just legal, and so it's all coming out in the woodwork. And the same goes for this deal. The reason that this is so weird, and this this all came to be, is because Michigan or whoever was sending this guy Connor Salons all around to you know buy tickets to these games and steal signs and stuff like that. But he was using his own name, and he was associated with the with the Michigan program. Other teams are doing this all the time, every single week. But it's people that are using fake names and fake IDs, and they're actually doing it like a covert operation, which it should be. If you're not trying to get caught, why would you be putting it all in the all out in the open? This guy works for you, and he's going around to all these games. So, yeah, that's that's kind of the that's that's why this has become such a big deal is the fact that Michigan was cheating and didn't hide it, whereas a lot of other teams are doing this exact same thing and hiding it. (laughs) And so Michigan just kind of became the first. Team to get caught, I guess, in terms of, you know, what what this what this rule breaking uh, tendency is, and 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 so we're gonna kind of see how that affects them going forward. Now, the big talk coming out of that is, well, is anything gonna happen this season? And the answer is no. Um, there's been plenty of other scandals and cheating and whatever that's gone on in the past, and and and, and none of those teams have been punished during that season that it happened a lot of times they'll get bowl bans, right? Which is, you know, essentially no matter how game how many games you win during the regular season, you're ineligible to play in a bowl next season. Um, you know, there's also been you know, vacated wins or whatever. So, you know, maybe if, if Michigan wins the championship this year and, you know, they, they are the college football champions and they win the college football playoff and all this stuff. Uh, you know, if it's, if it's this egregious or if it's as bad as people are saying it is, you know, maybe in five years when the investigation is fully complete, they come back and they say, Hey, Michigan, uh, you won that championship by stealing signs from other teams. That championship is long, is no longer yours. And it is going to be vacated going forward. That's happening in college basketball a lot, actually. So, there's a there's a, a bunch of ways that they can punish Michigan going forward, but not it, it's not going to happen this year. And so I think that's a big thing to remember when you're thinking about all right, you know what 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 is what is the effect on Michigan this year? I don't think it's going to be very much. I don't think it's be really anything at all. Um, so all that being said, now the kind of the. I guess the the big story is, you know, what's going to happen to John Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh because as we know, Jim Harbaugh coached in the NFL for a, well he coached he coached he coached at Stanford for a long time. He kind of raised the the, you know, he he kind of got Stanford on the map. He was a great college football coach at Stanford. He then goes and he becomes the the head coach of the 49ers. He gets them to the Super Bowl. They lose to the Ravens, coached by his brother, John Harbaugh, uh, in that Super Bowl. And then afterwards, he wanted basically full control of the team. He wanted to be the GM and the head coach and control all player, uh, you know, player ins and outs and whatever, which is what the head coach does in college. He wanted to do that in the NFL. John Lynch, who's the GM of the 49ers, said, uh, Nope, see you later, buddy. So Jim Harbaugh left. He became the head coach of Michigan. And that's kind of where we're at right now. That all being said, we clearly know that John Jim Harbaugh I'm going to keep missing keep mixing up their names the entire time I do that Jim Harbaugh is a great college coach we know that from his days at Stanford we know them, that from you know what he's currently doing for this Michigan program that has won the Big 10 each of the last 2 years they've gotten to the college football playoff each of the last 2 years lost in their first game in the, in the college football playoff each of the last few years um but still is you know is, is doing really well at the college level and, and all that so um so all that being said right the, the story now is that Uh, that Jim Harbaugh is going to go to the NFL now because he doesn't want to deal like he, he, okay. He did this cheating thing or whether he authorizes it or not, he knew it was happening. He's going to get punished by the NCAA. Um, but his argument is, Hey, screw it. Like whatever. I want to go to the NFL again. Anyway, the, the, the kind of the correct jobs weren't really opening up for him. So he stayed at college. He's got Michigan right where they need to be. This is the most success Michigan's had in probably over 20 years and you know, regardless of whether or not they win the college football championship, John Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh, again, did it again, uh, wants to go back to the NFL to be a coach and GM of an NFL team and raise them to prominence, similar to what he did with the 49ers. Uh and 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 I think he I think he can do it. I have faith. I mean the guy's proven he's a really good coach. So is his brother, right? So um so I, I think that's a very possible thing for Jim Harbaugh to, to do. And that's kind of the the general sentiment or what's kind of going around now is like, well, what's you know, he 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 can get an NFL job tomorrow because the Bears are probably going to fire Matt Eberflus. The Raiders already fired, uh, you know, Josh McDaniels. And I think that's probably the Raiders is probably kind of the place where, like, Jim Harbaugh could definitely be the GM and the uh, – well, he, sorry, they fired the GM and the head coach. He could step in. He could be the GM and head coach at the Raiders, which I think is probably a perfect position and something that he would really love to do. So he's like, whatever, screw it. I'll just go to the NFL. Well, now the NFL has come out and said, "Well, well, no. If he's being punished by the NCAA, we're not going to allow him to be become a coach in the league until he bears his punishment out with the NCAA." So it's an ongoing thing. We don't really know what's going to happen, um, but I just kind of wanted to get it out there to to, to kind of give my thoughts. And if you weren't super sure in the backstory and then what's kind of what what the what the current state of the uh, state of the situation is, um, that is it there. So that's really all I'm gonna say for college football. Again, there's not. It, this week even too there's not there's not a ton of good games bama lsu is going to be really good um hoping lsu wins that game i, I have a i have a couple futures on, on on lsu to win the sec and win the national championship um and that loss to Ole Miss is really really killing us for that but i do think they could beat bama today we're we're, we're going to see uh today and then next week we'll kind of go over what you know what the current state of the college football um look, well I, the thing is too i'm thinking about it now like the college football rankings like like the college football playoff rankings um, came out. They're not going to change until the last week of the season anyway, because that's when Ohio State and Michigan play each other, and that's going to be you know one number one versus number three. And whoever wins that game is going to get in the Big Ten championship. Whoever loses that game is probably going to be out of the college football playoff. So uh, the rankings are going to basically be the same until the end of the season. But next week I'll do a lot of kind of more deep dive on you know what are the you know what are the situations that can happen. Who's going to win the Pac-12? Who's going to win the ACC? And you know is Florida State going to be able to go undefeated? And they'll make it to the p- college football playoff. All that stuff. So we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit next week. Uh, wanted to quickly hit on the NBA uh, again. Like I said, kind of started a couple weeks ago. He had two huge trades uh, prior to the, well, one prior to the season, one during the season. Uh, Damian Lillard was traded from the Blazers to the Bucks in kind of a shocking development. It was really, he was supposed to go to Miami the entire time. He wanted to go to Miami the entire time. And for whatever reason, that just didn't work out He ends up on the Bucks and I think, despite kind of you know what a lot of people thought would be a great fit with him in Miami and Jimmy Butler and you know them kind of going at it and, and you know having making a playoff run, I think that would have been that would have been fun. I think obviously, I think he fits a lot better on the Bucks. The only thing is, and I think this is kind of just going to be a kind of a, a, a kind of a revolving situation throughout the rest of the season, is that I think Milwaukee at this point, you know, they've had the number one seed in the East for I think each of the last I think t- three years, maybe four. Um, they've just been such a good regular season team, and and again, a lot of that we've discussed this on the podcast. A lot of that's because nobody wants to stop Giannis during the regular season, and I wouldn't either. Believe me, it's like you're you're you know you're sitting there on a on a Tuesday night in February, and you got the Greek freak running at you 100 miles an hour. I wouldn't want to step in front of that man, and a lot of people have not over the past few years, which is why the books have had so much regular season success. And that obviously has only resulted in one championship. And if the past two years they've been outed in the playoffs early in the playoffs, the last the last couple of years, so. I think now the Bucks have transitioned. They obviously fired their coach Mike Budenholzer. Uh, they got you know they got a they got um, oh boy I forgot who their new coach is. It's it's not it's not a well known guy um, at all. So um, oh shoot I'm, I'm completely blanking on his name. Anyway, um, I think their strategy now is to is to kind of do what you know what the Warriors have done over the past few years, which is okay you know right we're, we're gonna we're gonna coast during the regular season. We know that we can win enough games in the regular season to be able to get in the playoffs. We wanna make our guys, you know, get our guys healthy, get everybody through the regular season, you know, be able to kind of rest our players enough. And um and then, you know, by the point that, you know, when the playoffs come, they'll be able to kind of go on a run here. Especially given that, you know, Giannis and Dame aren't the youngest players in the league, right? Uh and so so I think that's I think that was a really good move by the Bucks, and I think that their strategy for this season is, is probably gonna be a good one because they've had so much success in the regular season, and yes, that's gotten them the one seed, and that's all well and good. But like and the advantage to having the one seed is that you get home court advantage throughout the playoffs and every single game five and game seven that, that you face you're gonna have home court advantage or you're gonna be on, you know be on your home court um and even in the finals too if you're the highest seed in the in you know in the, in the matchup in the NBA Finals you get you know you get your home court too so um so that I think has been the goal it's like you know oh we're gonna you know crush everybody in the regular season we're gonna be the most amazing regular season team we're gonna get the one seed we're gonna have home field, home court advantage and then by the time you get to the playoffs other teams have stepped up their game, and you know, and it's and they got beat by the Heat last year, right? That was the one seed, or that was the you know the eight seed beating the one seed, which only happened a couple times in NBA history. And so, I like this strategy by the Bucks to kind of say, "All right, hold on," We're, you know, we've tried so hard in the regular season the past couple of years. It hasn't resulted in anything, and in fact, it's probably been more embarrassing than not. <laughs> so, uh, so they're kind of, I think, I think this time they're kind of taking it a little bit easy in the regular season, and they'll be ready for a playoff push. On the other side of things, we have the James Harden drama, which again, this guy is just a masterclass at getting whatever he wants. He's now forced his way out of three teams, which he was the impetus for leaving that team in the first place, right? So it happened with the Rockets when he was in the Rockets. He forced his way on the Nets. Then he forced his way out of you know out of out of Brooklyn. He's now or you know he, then he went to the Sixers. He had a few he had a few seasons there. It Didn't work out. He hated being in Philly. Now he's now he's in LA. He's with the Clippers, and it's just a, such a funny funny thing because like he he no no other player has, has been able to do this like Harden. I feel like maybe Ben Simmons a little bit, but Ben Simmons doesn't play at all. So it's like. He's just he just whines and gets his way because nobody actually wants him to play anyway, so they're like whatever. Whereas James Harden does play, but then when he doesn't like the situation, he just whines and cries until he gets his way. And I mean, hey, it's it's worked out so far. But I think that the overall sentiment on this James Harden thing is that like, at this point, it's almost like he's just doing what he wants to do. I think when he was with those rock when the, with the Rockets for those few years, when you know they were they were really competing in the West and you know they they almost got to the finals that one year. Um, I, I think during that time, his goal was still to win a championship. But now it seems like he's just like I don't really care. I just kind of want to play with my friends. I'm you know I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna party every night. I'm gonna make a ton of money. You know, just being in the league for for so long because I've kind of earned it and you know I'm you know scoring leader, MVP, whatever. Um, he has a he, he's arguably one of the best regular season players in the history of the league, and that's gonna make him a ton of money going forward, even from you know even after now. Uh, but but I think we have to face the reality that like James Harden just doesn't really want to win a championship, which seems so backwards especially because it's like at the highest level of competition like yes you are you know so you are a better nba you're a better basketball player than like 99 to the to the hundredth power of of people in the entire world and like what you know the the amount the, the percentage chance that you have of making it to the nba when you're born is like insanely insanely small um but but the fact that like You get you finally get there, and you've been so good in the NBA too. Like, because the thing is too, yeah. The percentage of people that get to the NBA in the first place is already so low, and then the percentage of percentage of people that get to the league and are one of the best players, consistent All Stars, MVP level players is even smaller. And so, for that, for one of those types of players to be like just not really caring that much. And just, I'm just going to go with team. Cause I, like, cause I kind of want to, and like, you know, that team doesn't win. And he's like, all right, whatever. I just don't want to play here anymore. Like, it's just so, it just seems so backwards. Um, you know, as compared to a lot of the stars out there, Kevin Durant being kind of the most obvious where it's like, he's going to go where he has the best chance to win a championship, which I would probably do the same. If I was an NBA player, I'm like, all right, I, I you know, if I've made generational wealth. I feel like what you want, want to do is win a championship, but James Harden just doesn't seem to want to do that. And you know, I'm not. I'm not going to fault him too much. It's just an interesting, uh, an interesting, you know, kind of turn of events here. So um, <coughs> we'll see how the NBA season shapes up. Um, there's not too much going on right now. I think the only story really is the Grizzlies, who are horrible. 0-6, oh, this is still the the, the the only team that has not won a game yet. Um, they were beating the Blazers last night in a game that ended in a loss for the Grizzlies in overtime. They were they were up by 10, I think, with, like, two minutes left to go. They ended up going overtime, and they lose the game. to The Blazers, who are one of the worst teams in the league, so it's really bad for the Grizzlies right now. And, yes, John Moran is still suspended for his 25 games, but I don't think John Moran is fixing anything with this team. I think they really lost in that trade because, um, yeah, I mean, you get Marcus Smart, but, like, what? he's not he's not that great. I mean what so uh yeah, so I think that that, that that team has has kind of despite being one of the best regular season teams for the last three years, ever since Jog ja got there, it just it just has not looked good for um, for the Grizzlies thus far, so uh, that's pretty much all I have in the NBA. Again, it's it's really kind of early season stuff now. Um, the Warriors are looking great; they're they're five and one, like you know, just the, the team that never dies, the team that's 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 building another dynasty while this dynasty is still going on. And I think that Joe Lake up there is is really kind of onto something in terms of just accruing all these young players, having them play behind Steph and Draymond and uh, and Clay Thompson, and, and and still being able to win consistently with that team. I think is is just spectacular. Obviously, Steph is 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 the is the the, 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 the straw that, that stirs the drink, as they say, uh, there for Golden State. So, quickly want to wrap up the MLB season. Uh, the World Series finished this past week. The Rangers beat the Diamondbacks. And if you had told me before the season started that the Rangers and the Diamondbacks were playing in the World Series, well, I probably, at, fir- on fr- at first glance, I probably would have told you there's no way that's happening, and then I probably would have told you after that, well, you know what? Actually, I could probably see it, because the MLB is just consistently... The best sport, maybe it's it's hockey too in this in this sense, but I think the MLB just just more so um, just because of the variance and just starting pitchers and, and just you know getting hot for one game. Um, the MLB is consistently baseball is consistently, consistently the, the the best sport when it comes to parity in the league, where you really never know who's going to end up in the World Series uh, or winning the World Series that for that matter as well. And I think this playoffs these playoffs were a perfect example of that where, okay, the Rangers had played well all season. You know, I think they ended up winning their division, but the Houston Astros were like, well, no, the, the Astros were in their division and the Astros were in the world series last year. So everybody's like, yeah, yeah. Astros are going to win the, you know, win the world series. Um, you know, there's definitely not going to be another team from their own division that are, that are going to be able to, you know, kind of make it, make it through, not only beat them in the ALCS, but also make it through to end up winning the world series. But the Rangers did it. And I think that, you know, kind of, Their 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 style of play is a lot different from I think what the analytics of baseball has become, which and we see this we saw kind of saw this with the Rays uh, or we see this with the Rays season over season where you know the analytics have basically gotten to the point where you know pitchers are playing only a couple innings at a time and you're throwing in different pitchers at different times and that worked, and that allowed, you know, the Astros and the Braves in the past couple seasons to be able to win the World Series, and this year, the, the Rangers basically did the exact opposite. They were like, hey, we have two really, really, really good pitchers, and, you know, screw the analytics. We're not going to take them out. We're just going to let them in there. We're going to let them cook, and when we need them to come in, and we need to win a game, we're going to throw them in, and they're going to throw their arm uh, in the best they can, and we're going to win these games, and that's exactly what they did, so it's a really cool story that the Astros, or that the, uh, the Rangers... <laughs> I said the Ast and then I said the Rangers. Um, For whatever reason, I I keep getting mixed up because they're both in Texas and whatever. So the Rangers won the World Series. It's a great story. Obviously, it would have been way cooler if the Diamondbacks won. The Diamondbacks were the least likely team to get to the World Series, much less have a chance to win it. Um, They they only got in the World Series, or they only got in the playoffs because the Cubs, the Chicago Cubs, lost like four out of the last five games. So then the Diamondbacks sneaked sneaked into the playoffs and just ended up going on an insane hot streak with their bats. Um, pitching wasn't I mean they had a few good pitchers. Um Zach Allen was kind of carrying them, but the bats, Kettle Marte, um kind of carried them through through the postseason and, and they were able to make the World Series and would have been really cool to see them win. But um but yeah, I think you know, kind of the the way that the way that the Rangers season went, they won more games in the regular season. They were, you know, they were definitely one of the better teams in the regular season and, and was and kind of were able to carry that through and really beat the best teams uh, when it comes to the playoffs. But again, the ratings come out on this NBA MLB world series. And it was the least watched world series, I think ever. Like, I mean, obviously not ever because like, you know, this has been like, I mean, television's on been on since like the 1970s. So like, yes, there were less people in the world in 1970. So there were less people watching the, the world series, but in terms of like the modern era of baseball, uh, it's 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 it was the least watched I think ever, and then they they put another stat on top of that that said the last the last three World Series, including this one, have all been like decreasing in you know entertainment value and and, and like the ratings and the scores and for how many people are watching these games. So it's just a tough it's a tough time for the MLB and a sport that just has. I mean they've tried to make the they had the, they instituted the rule changes this season and definitely made it made the games go a lot shorter, but like. I mean, right, for the casual fan, like, the interest is still not there. I think there's just not enough – there's just not enough action. There's just nothing happens in that game, and and it's great to sit down and watch a playoff game because every single pitch matters so much. Uh, But, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's like, okay, yeah, it's cool. The Rangers won the World Series. Like, that's what you're taking away from the season, and, okay, great. You know, we'll we'll move on. Whereas, you know, like – Kirk Cousins t- tearing his Achilles is, like, the number one story on every single sports show, uh, you know, almost even more than the Rangers winning the World Series, which I think is is, is crazy to this point in the disparity that we have between kind of the two sports there with, with baseball and football. And and so I don't know. I mean, if baseball, I don't really know what they can do to improve, like, the the, the ratings and the people, the, inter- the, the fan interest in this sport. Um, but it, it almost seems like a dying league, and, and it's a little unfortunate because, you know, it is – Something that they're trying to fix, and it still just seems like anything they try, you know, just isn't really working. So, it'll be interesting to see kind of what we get from baseball in the coming years here. And then wanted to close it off with college basketball. My just the, my heart is is with this sport. I know it's probably nobody cares about it until March, and that's still a long way away. But I wanted to do kind of a, a mini preview here for college basketball because I'm always into it. I love betting it, and and, and just love following the teams. And and I think now especially it almost makes it better cuz the 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 evolution of college basketball has now been essentially okay because because you you know you can't go from college, from you know high school right to the nba anymore we had the one and done era which was i think really i mean it was probably the peak in terms of like regular season interest in college basketball because if you were going to the nba you had to play in college at some point for one year, And, you know, you go and even play. I mean, Ben Simmons went to LSU, like, you know, places people went, Kevin Porter Jr., um, or Michael Porter Jr., sorry, went to, you know, went to Missouri. So, like, some of these players ended up on random teams, but then you had, like, you know, the Zion Williamson year at Duke, where it was Zion, it was RJ Barrett, it was Cam Reddish, like, absolutely insane talent on all, you know, with all three of those guys. Um, you know, in Kentucky over the years, obviously, you know, you, you had all their one-and-done seasons, you know, the guys who have been one-and-done seasons with them. Um, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis, you know, John Wall. I mean, all the guys. Devin Booker at Duke, too. Or, sorry, Devin Booker at Kentucky, Kentucky, too. So, the transition, though, now that we have NAL, and we also have what's called... The well, not what's called, but we have the the kind of the, the 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 you know the G League team, G League Knight, you know all the like the teams that that are kind of like professional teams that house these players, um, that so that they, they can earn money while playing basketball before getting drafted to the NBA. And we saw a lot of the, like the Thompson Twins, uh, you know, Scoot Henderson. So a lot of the players drafted in this year's NBA draft were kind of either you know overseas, people, you know, guys who were who were kind of coming you know coming overseas to play in the NBA or um. I'd say probably about half and half in terms of, you know, guys who were playing professionally, either overseas or for, you know, the G League Unite or, or or you know, other teams kind of in that in that, you know, G League hemisphere. Um about half the players were, were kind of doing that that semi pro level, and the other half the players came from college. And there still is the majority of the best players are still going to college, but there's a lot of players that are just going to these kind of semi-pro teams to make some money before they go to the NFL or the NBA, which again, I can't blame it for that. I mean, if you're going to make 200 grand a year, uh, you know, in, with a semi-pro league, that which is, you know, and you, whereas you make nothing at college. And now with NIL, I think that's probably shifting the tides a little bit where players are probably still going to kind of prefer college over, over, you know, over the semi-pro thing now that they can get paid by going to college. Um, but I still think there has been a shift in college basketball to now. Players who stay in college longer are ending up being the best college players, which I think is, is, is good because I think we had a weird the one and done era. While it was cool to see Kentucky like start out being horrible and then by the end of the year, they're like an eight-seed and they make it all the way to the championship game because you know they're 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 all their freshmen are really good players and they all came together by the end of the season, they made it work. That's fun. <clears throat> but you never you never really get to know any of the names and, and and you know and see these guys through their entire careers, and we do have that now in college basketball, which I think is really cool. Zach Eady was was the best. He was the Naismith you know Wooden Wooden Award player of the year last year at Purdue. He's coming back for another year. Hunter Dickinson had I think three or yeah three great years at Michigan, maybe four, and then, and he transferred to Kansas this year. Kansas is going to be number one going into the season. Um, so there are so many player Ryan Kalkbrenner. At um, at uh, is it Creighton? I think it's Creighton. Yeah, I think it's Creighton. Um, you know he's gonna be one of the best players this year, and he was you know he made a, a crazy splash in the tournament last year. You have San Diego State who got to the championship game and lost to UConn last year. San Diego State's bringing back a lot of a, a lot of their roster. Florida Atlantic was a nine seed last year and made the final four. They're bringing back every single player that from their team last year. Um, so it's just. I think it's I, I think college basketball is honestly in a really good state for for how I like to view the game where it's like you can actually learn the names of these players and as the years go by begin to recognize who they are and, and kind of follow them through their careers as their teams, you know, kind of change and, and whatever, because the transfers and everything now, you know, it's all crazy. But but all that being said, um, you know, I think it's going to be a good college basketball season. I think, you know, there there's not as many NBA prospects. I think the that's kind of the, the sentiment this year is that going into next year's NBA draft, there really aren't – I mean, obviously, we had Victor Romanyama. We had, you know, Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson in this year's – this past year's draft. And people are saying that this, this coming draft in 2024 uh, isn't going to be good at all. Like, it's like – Any of the players that went in the top five last year would be drafted number one overall for sure this year. There just really isn't that caliber of player um, that's going to be in next year's NBA draft. So I like that from the the stance of like a lot of this college basketball stuff is just going to go by the wayside. But I still love following the sport um, and I kind of just wanted to, to, to to get it out there that the season is starting on Monday. I'm super excited for it. Um, and obviously, right, we, we're we probably not – I'll probably do, like, a monthly update. Like, you know, here we're, here's where we're at, you know, kind of after a third of the season. Because um, I know, again, I know most people don't come here for college basketball stuff. And that's also why I saved it to talk about it until I'm an hour and ten minutes into the podcast. <laughs> so, um, so right, so so we'll probably do maybe a monthly update. And then obviously once we get to March, it'll be kind of the, the only thing that we're going to be talking about. Really after the Super Bowl, right? So after the Super Bowl's over, over, you know, mid-February, that's kind of when we'll be doing a lot of the college basketball stuff. Because that's kind of going to be the only – the only sport that's going to be really kind of, you know, coming to its crescendo in, in terms of its kind of season because at that point, like the NBA season still, you know, a couple months from the playoffs starting and the same with the NHL. So there's going to be sports going on, um, but nothing is really going to take the stage like college basketball. That's why I love that kind of that month, right, um, from like from kind of the end of February to the end of March is just the best time uh, for me uh, in terms of just, you know, kind of diving into college basketball and loving that sport. So, um, yeah. So, hey. Now all that being said, we are done with the podcast and we got in and out. And we talked about five, yeah, five major sports leagues, everything that kind of, you know, what's on my mind right now, what we're dealing with, where you know, what we're got right now, where we're going. Um, I appreciate again, appreciate everybody listening. I meant to say at the beginning of the episode, but please leave a rating on the show um, on Apple Podcasts and rate five stars on on uh, on that or or on Spotify. I don't I don't really know what the rating system is like on Spotify, but um, that helps the podcast uh be be available to to everybody else who's who's listening or searching it up or whatever and and that that is really the kind of the key to the algorithm and everything is 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 those ratings so um leave a rating on the show if you enjoy it leave a five-star rating if you hate me and you're like matt you suck uh then leave a one-star rating and tell me why i suck and tell me why i could do better because i would love to hear it and and i'm always open to criticism and um and and yeah hopefully we get more five-star ratings than one-star ratings but again i think i think any ratings help nonetheless so um so with all that being said, again, thank you guys so much for listening, and I will probably be back. I'm going to hopefully – I'm going to try to be back midweek, maybe a, little, maybe a little Wednesday, Thursday action. If not, next weekend for sure, and then, well, I don't know. Hayden will be back eventually, but I don't think it will be until probably probably the winter. Like I said, probably probably about a month from now, maybe a month and a half. So, um, so I'll, I'll hold it down. From there, um, thank you so much for listening. I'm gonna keep saying it because I have to because um, it's super cool that people are actually listening to my podcast. So um, yeah. so thanks so much and uh, and and everybody have a great week.